0: Sherlock Holmes said, something's afoot. I believe that uh, God has been so faithful uh, in the time that uh, Sherry and I have been here, these 12 years, and um, recognizing that God is always the one who initiates, God is the one who gives, God is the one who loves. But I've been just so blessed in thinking these last couple of weeks as we approach the new year, uh, what God has in store for us. Something is afoot. Spirit of God is alive among us. Uh, The truth is here. We have hearts that are full. We know what God has called us to do, to be the presence of Christ in the world, to reach one more for Jesus. I believe that the year 2013... Will be a year of unprecedented impact. I believe that with all my heart. Uh, many of you make uh, New Year's resolutions. Uh, I've done that in different times in my life. In fact, how many of you have made New Year's resolutions that you haven't quit yet? Okay. Okay. Good. Good. So that's good. now the rest of you, we know that story. Um, one thing about New Year's resolutions—nothing wrong with them. One thing about them is uh, it's about our Ability to make them happen, you know, and and that's good. I mean, we all want to be better people. We want to do the right thing. We want to increase our faith and increase our giving and everything else. But what we're really looking at in 2013, at least from our perspective as a staff, is not so much uh, resolutions as transformation, Uh, transformation. See, resolution comes from my effort. Transformation comes from God's effort. God's grace and his love given towards you and towards me. I want to see impact this year in ways that we've never seen before. I want to see each and every one of us. And I mean all of us. And even if you're new here today, for you too, I want to see everyone take a step closer to God. Whatever that means for you. You may be an atheist, you may be a fully devoted follower of Christ, but everyone who walks through the doors of this church, we invite you into one reality and that's this. What can you do in 2013 to take one step closer to Jesus? What can you do to take one step closer to Him? We desire to have the impact, spiritual impact, that we are growing as believers. We are more and more becoming fully devoted followers of Christ. We want to be have more impact on our community. Uh, it was wonderful that 93 people raised their hands and prayed to receive Christ, but we can do so much more through the power of the Holy Spirit. There's so many people. Did you know that still, even with the mega churches close by, Chandler Christian and uh, Cornerstone, and other churches within a two-mile radius, did you know that still... Seven Seven out of every, or actually seven and a half out of every ten people do not go to church in Chandler. 25% of people in Chandler. So you might say, well, well, we've got too many churches. No, we don't have nearly enough churches in Chandler. We don't have nearly enough opportunities for people to say yes to God. We want to have an extraordinary impact on our community. And that's through service. So we're going to do a Be the Church a Saturday on February 2nd. It's your chance to give back to your community. We're going to go into our community and do stuff that will help them do their jobs better. Uh, we're gonna make a difference by just being Christ's ones, being disciples, not Christians, right? We're gonna just go out and do those things. That's, we wanna have more impact this year on, in our, our compassion, mercy, and justice ministries. We wanna have more impact in our world missions uh, ministries. We're sending a team of uh, eight to ten people to Columbia in the spring. Uh, we're, we're gonna do that. We're gonna make more impact. I've never been more excited about our staff. You know that this year will be the first year that we are fully staffed since 2005. Uh, when 2005 hit, the crash kind of hit, the finances. We didn't have to fire anybody, but we didn't replace people. And today, this year is the first year that we're going to be fully staffed for our church, a church of our size in 2013. And I can't tell you uh, the joy that I have in serving with these other five individuals. Uh, They are young, they are full of life, they are energized, they are positioned to do their very best in their areas of ministry for you and for your family. I really believe that we have a great year of impact uh, because of our staff. In these next uh, few Sundays, I want to clarify and um, kind of enliven our vision our vision, most of you know, say it in a lot of different ways, but in a very brief way, we desire to connect, grow, and serve. We want to connect with God and with each other. We want to grow in our faith. We want to grow in numbers. We want to grow in our giving. We want to serve. We want to serve each other. We want to serve the community. We want to serve especially the lost. We want to do all of that. We want to connect. We want to grow. And these next... Uh, four Sundays, counting today, I want to lay out for you uh, the vision of Hope Covenant Church. And, and the reason it's important is because um, uh, Bill Hybel says often that vision leaks. Now what that means is that you may know the vision of our church, and you may say that I, I'm signing off on that, I, I believe that, I want to be part of that. But after a couple of months, we get busy, and we do other things, and we kind of forget what we're about, and we kind of get into a maintenance mode. And the, the last thing I want to do is maintain. The last thing I want to do is make all of you comfortable. My job is to make you miserable. I want to make you uncomfortable. I want to make you so unhappy that you're not out there bringing people to Christ that you're going to do something about it. So we're not about maintaining. I remember when we were first, um, Sherry and I first came in uh, the summer of 2000. We were in the strip mall. There's just a few people there. But I'll tell you what, those few people, and we still have some of them with us, uh, those few people... Um, they said, when I came as their pastor, they said, we'll do anything. Our church hasn't really gotten traction that we want. Uh, we, we bought this piece of property here that was filled with weeds, but we didn't, you know, we don't know how to put a church on it. We don't have enough people, resources. We'll do anything. And so together, we, did stuff. And what I mean by that is we invited our friends and our neighbors. And we knew that if we didn't invite people and didn't connect with them, that the church wouldn't make it and that the kingdom wouldn't be forth- furthered through Hope Covenant Church. And so there's this energy around that. And everybody was involved. And, and then as you get bigger and bigger, you kind of get, have a tendency to maintain and get comfortable. And, well, I'll let everybody else do that. I'll let the staff do that. I'll let the elders do that. Now, this from 2013 is about all of us together moving forward. All of us. Every one of us saying, I can do this. I can be part of this vision. I can make a difference in my world. I can make a difference in my family. I can make a difference at my work, where I work out. I can do that. And that's what we're calling you to in January of 2013, is to have greater impact in your family, in your job, in your church, in your home. Greater impact in 2013. Vision is not something that's static. A vision is kind of a moving target. Um, the only thing we know that doesn't ever change is the mission. The mission is defined by Matthew 28, right? That we're to go in the world and make disciples. So the mission never changes. So, you know, We may call it different things, but that will never ever change. But the vision is uniquely what God has called Hope Covenant Church to do to make that mission a reality. That's what vision is. It's, vision, it's kind of looking in the future and saying, what do we want to see uh, five years from now? I'll, I'll tell you what I want to see. Five years from now, I want to see all of you, plus five people that you've brought here to church and brought to the Lord, also with their families here. So we're bursting at the seams. We've planted two more churches. We even have to build a sanctuary in the back. of That's what I want to see in five years. But we can't do that unless we all say, that's my vision. That's what I'm doing. See, we're not a church that wants to just make you feel good. We want to reach the lost for Christ. That's what we're here. That's what we're about. And so our vision is all around that. Our vision is something that's constantly moving and growing and evolving. Uh, George Barna, in his book, How to Find Your Church, said it this way. This is a great quote. Vision is the ability to understand the history, the present condition, and the potential of the church. And to conceive a plan for action that will maximize ministry potential. More often than not, vision is a result of having spent much time absorbing the facts about the community. In other words, we want to know our community. We want to know who they are. Knowing the resources upon which the church can call, people, funding, facilities, equipment, etc. And devising sound but creative strategies for moving forward. Vision always entails progress. It is never satisfied with a status quote. Now, I I love that quote. I think it's really important. Uh, We're having a leadership retreat, which will include all the staff, the elders, and ministry leaders at the end of the month, the two-day retreat. And uh, when we're there, we're going to look at this once again and say, okay, how can we have maximum impact in 2013? What's a strategic plan we can put in place that our people will sign off on and say, okay, let's go. Let's do this. We're ready to go. We're ready to do whatever it takes to reach one more person for Jesus Christ. I don't want to get bigger. That'll happen if we do our jobs well, right? I want to get better at what we're doing. I want to reach more people. And whatever that looks like, God, we're there. We're part of it. So this is why we're entitling this series of four messages, Vision on the Move. Vision is not a static thing. It's a growing thing. It's an evolving thing. It's a moving thing. Vision on the Move. And vision always entails progress. It is never, as Barna said, satisfied with the status quo. Now, we're all all in the uh, life-saving business. Uh, some churches are in the maintenance business. Some churches are in the status quo bit business. But we're in the life-saving business. You know, like a lighthouse that was originally there to uh, avoid shipwrecks and to rescue people when there was an accident. And the lighthouse becomes really a, a buzzing place of ministry and activity and awesomeness. But then after 20 or 30 years, the lighthouse becomes, well, more like a country club. We don't want to mess with the wet people anymore. they will get our carpets messy. All you need to know is, if you want to know about our church, look at the carpet. Okay? I know it's embarrassing. Some of us, we have this thing cleaned two or three times a year. Mike is constantly trying. But the carpet is dirty, and I'll tell you why. Because we have hundreds of people in here, men, women, and children, and teenagers, every single week. And that's not going to change. If you don't like our carpet, give me 30000 bucks and we'll fix it. Okay, I'm serious, we'll do it next week. But, right, I mean, we're, we're, we'd rather spend that money doing other things, but I'll tell you what, that's a church that's on the move, and that's, we are not a country club, we're a life saving station. The time of great worldwide stress, great anger and war, killing children, come on. That's all little kingdom stuff. It's all kingdom of man stuff. It's it's all stuff that happens because we are literally linked to this blue rock, this planet that we call earth. It's the little kingdom, the kingdom of man. But we have the answer. I'm not unique. Neither are you. We have the answer. The answer is the good news of Jesus Christ. That's the only thing that will change our world. Jesus said, when I come back, I'm going to make all things new. And he's going to start with people. It always starts with people. The big kingdom is the kingdom of God. And we want to discover together how we can make the maximum in impact for the kingdom of God. And that's what this series is about the next few weeks. It's a long introduction, but I just wanted to kind of pour out my heart for you. This is, this is what we're about. Um, if you're looking for a comfortable, cozy church... We're not for you. I'm sorry. I can give you seven other churches near us that you'll be a lot more comfortable in. But if you want to take, roll your sleeves up, if you want to get dirty, if you want to be pushed and and sometimes be filled with anxiety and everything else, this is the place for you. Isn't that? By the way, if you're new here, welcome to Hope Covenant Church. We're glad you're here. Right? You may never come back again, but we're glad you're here today. And uh, that's our vision. So the first part of our vision. Uh, is the first part of our vision. Uh, the, the starting point of everything we do is new life in Jesus Christ. Okay, new life in Jesus Christ. Um, you've all heard me say, and our whole staff, we say this often, that as, as an evangelical covenant church, we, we believe there are two hills that we die on. Now, we'll argue with you about baptism, we'll argue with you about eschatology, about when Jesus is going to come back, and we'll have fun arguing all those things, but you know what? None of those things are going to make maximum impact. There's two things that will make maximum impact. Here it is. Number one, the Bible is the Word of God. We believe it, we read it, we study it, we memorize it, we live it, we go out and we share it. The Bible is the Word of God, and as an evangelical covenant church, we will never, ever back off of this book. I we'll I will encourage you to read other books, but this is the book—the number one bestseller for the last 127 straight years. Number one bestseller is the Bible, is the Word of God. The second hill that we will die on is this: every person that walks through the doors of this church—in fact, every person in our community, in fact, every person in the world—can experience new life in Jesus Christ. There's no exceptions. You say, well, what about other religions? I'm not talking about other religions. I'm talking about an impactful relationship with Jesus Christ. That's not a religion. That's a relationship. So so that's what we believe in, and so today I want to frame our whole series on vision around this idea of new life in Christ. Now, some of you are saying, "Well, this is this is this is not new to me. I I know this stuff, and I know you do." But I'm trying to today. I'm trying to kind of take it and turn it a quarter turn and give you uh, an idea of maybe a different way of looking at it. So uh, let me use John's words. And now John was uh, one of the disciples of Jesus. John describes himself as. Uh, you know, in a very humble way, the one who Jesus loved. Uh, John was always arguing with Peter. John was wanting to be in the front of everything. And what we do know about John is this. He was a young man who gave his heart to Jesus and never stopped. <laughs> From the time he was about 17 or 18 years old, he gave his heart to Christ. He followed him for three years. And then you fast forward uh, uh, 90 years, and he's on the island of Patmos, and he's still writing about Jesus, you know, the book of Revelation. This is a neat guy. John is an awesome guy. And he writes, he wrote a lot in the Bible, the Gospel, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, Revelation. He wrote a lot, but here is from 1st John when he describes this idea of new life in Christ. 1st John chapter 1, verses 1-3 to in the New Living Testament. This is the Word of God for Hope Covenant Church. Today, John writes, we proclaim to you the one who existed from the beginning. Okay, He's talking about Jesus, whom we have heard and seen. John said, we know this guy. So so this, this isn't just some idea, some philosophy. We knew Jesus. We touched him. We walked with him. Okay, we prayed with him, whom we have heard and seen. We saw him with our own eyes and touched him with our own hands. He is the word of life. This one who is life itself, speaking of Jesus, Jesus is life itself, was revealed to us. And we have seen him. And now we testify and proclaim to you, John's audience, you know, 100 A.D., John's audience today, Hope Covenant Church 2013. We proclaim to you that he is the one who is, what? Eternal life. He's not about eternal life. He's not going to point you the way to eternal life. He is the one who is eternal life. Okay, get that. He was with the Father, and then He was revealed to us. We proclaim to you what we ourselves have actually seen and heard, so that you may have... He said, I just want, you, I want to reiterate this. This isn't some idea. We saw this, we heard this, we touched this, we felt this, we experienced this. We have seen and heard, so that you may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father, and with His Son, Jesus Christ, We are writing these things so that you may fully share our joy. You want to fully share the joy of John 100 A.D.? You want to fully share his joy? You can't. Through knowing and experiencing, touching and feeling the person of Jesus Christ, the living Word of God, eternal life, Jesus Christ Himself. Now it's clear to me that in reading this text, John is not talking about some distant, nebulous, philosophical concept. But he's talking about life Real life that is available in Jesus now. It's knowable. It's teachable. It's accessible. In the text it uses these verbs. Heard. Seen. Looked at. Touched. Appeared. There's something real there. Jesus said it another way in the Gospel of Luke. The kingdom of heaven, that big kingdom, is available through me, Jesus said. Now this thing that we call life in christ this thing that we call new life in christ is available to you not in some esoteric pie in the sky kind of way but in a concrete i know kind of way uh, one of the uh, uh, one of the things that um uh, Jim Blackburn and, uh, Bill Winward and others in our church and others that are part of Turnkey Ministries. If you don't know that ministry, they do evangelism in rest homes with the rest homes permission. And Jim, how many last year came to Christ? Jim? Hello, Jim. He's in a class somewhere. I think he said 513? 513. And this is going into rest homes and visiting, uh, the different people, asking their permission to talk to them. 513 people came to Christ in, in 2000. And 12. And one of the questions they ask them is, um, can I ask you a religious question? And one of the things they say, oh, yes, you can ask me a religious question. Well, if you're standing before God in heaven um, and, and God asked you, uh, why should I let you into my heaven? What would you say? And, and that's what starts the religious question. And from there, they present the gospel and this Holy Spirit works in that. And, and like I said, in, in restrooms, 513 people came to Christ in 2012. So that's the thing, and here's here's the answer. Almost every time, and you can ask Jim. This has been my experience over the years. Almost every time, here's the answer. Well, uh, what 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 you know? Uh, why should I let you into my heaven? Well, um, you know, I go to church on Sunday. Oh, that's nice. I mean, Christians do that, right? Some, you know. Well, I I I, um, I uh, I'm a really good person. Well, I mean, we could argue that, probably, but that's not not a place you want to argue that somebody's in a rest home, right? Say, well, okay, okay, so you're a good person, that's that's good. Uh, What else? Well, um, you know, last year I I gave $37 to the church. Oh, that's good, that's that's good. That's something else you did. And then they go on a list of things that they have done. I've been baptized, I take communion, I go to church, I pray, I do, And all these things they do. And at the end of that, the question comes back with Jim or whoever's talking to say, Well, the Bible says that it's not about what you do. It's about who you know. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you'll be saved. It doesn't say believe on the things that you do and you'll be saved. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. So there's this, this idea that a lot of people in our world have that um, being a Christian, remember we talked about this last summer, being a Christ follower, being a disciple is a lot different than being a Christian. A Christian can be anything you want it to be. So this package that we call coming to faith in Jesus Christ, this commodity that we call salvation, new life in Christ, being born again, use whatever words and terminology you want to. This thing is not something you do to get it. It's something, yes, you possess, but it's more than that. So so a lot of people say, well, um, I, I have it. Uh, when I was eight years old in my Sunday school back in Michigan, I prayed and asked Jesus to my heart. And I would say, that's awesome. That's That's beautiful. Um, I have it, therefore at that moment I I punched my ticket to heaven Okay, I believe in eternal security too so I'm I'm with you on that I punched my ticket to heaven Uh, I know that one day I'm going to be rid of this terrible place that we call the earth and I'll be singing hymns and playing a harp although I doubt that, seriously And, and, and it'll just be awesome and it'll be wonderful and I just can't wait for eternal life well Jesus said in our text I am eternal life. Now. Not in the sweet by and by. Not forevermore. That's part of it. And so this life that Jesus wants to give us is a life force that comes from within us. You can't step into Jesus' life without stepping into Jesus. It's not about his plan or his identity. It's about Knowing Him and living for Him. And then those verses again. He said you can know it, you can see it, you can touch it. And, and this morning I'm inviting each and every one of us into this life. It's an invitation into life. Now some of you would say, well I've been a Christian for many years. Thank, Praise God, that's wonderful. You know, I've been a disciple for most of my that, That's wonderful. But I want you to hear this with different ears this morning. Don't think of this in terms of something that's already been punched. OK, I already punched my ticket. OK, so it doesn't matter how I live, because I've heard some a preacher told me 30 years ago that my sins are forgiven past, present and future. Therefore, I can go out and do whatever I want to. And I'm still OK. Well, that's that's a circular argument that's going to get you nowhere. Right. And and so. so No, I don't think about in terms of, well, I punched my ticket. I'm going to heaven. I don't want you to think. I want you to think about what impact this has on you today. If you're a disciple of Jesus Christ, if you're a follower of Christ, what impact does that have on you right now? Not in the sweet by and by. Thank God for that. I'm glad I'm going to heaven. I'm glad I punched my ticket. I'm glad that eternal life is mine and it's going to be awesome and everything. But what about today? John says it's noble, it's touchable, and it's accessible. In John 10.10, I have come that they may have life and have it to the fullest. In the New, New, New International Version, it says uh, you can have it in abundance. So this is an invitation to each and every one of you this morning, an invitation to this life in Jesus. And it really involves just two parts. The first is this. The fullness of eternal life, uh, excuse me, uh, the, first, uh, the first part is that this is not just a future hope, but it's a present reality. Not just a future hope. But a present reality. So we think of eternal life in terms of uh, duration. Because eternal is a time word. You know, it's a long time, right? Eons. You know, we can't even measure that. It's infinite. Uh, So we think of eternal life in terms of duration. Or we, we speak of something that kicks in when we die. Well, even though I goof up on this planet, even though I'm not much of a Christ follower now... Thank God when I die someday, eternal life's going to kick in and then, you know, it's like starting up a chainsaw and then I'm going to be good to go. You know, it's it's that kind of a thing. Uh, It's something that I either have or I don't have. Uh, Will I go to heaven when I die? Is the question we always want to ask. Do I have the the golden ticket? You know, Uh, will I make the cut? Do I know what I need to know? Do I know enough? Um, Have I prayed the right prayer? Uh, is my sin covered? Uh, when does the eternity actually kick in? Well, I suggest to you that John uh, has a completely different meaning in his text of eternal life. It's not about duration of life that begins when I die. It's primarily about a quality of life that you experience now. Eternal life is not just a future hope, but it's a present reality. It's knowable, teachable, accessible. It's right now. It's available to you. It's not something in the sweet bye-bye. And you say, well, Lord, I'm, I'm thankful for, you know, eternal life. I'm thankful that my ticket's punched. I'm thankful that my name is written in my Bible the day that I gave my heart to Jesus. You know, I, I'm thankful for all that. But, um, what about today? <laughs> my marriage is just awful. What about today? My kids say they don't believe in God anymore. (laughs) How am I supposed to, how am I supposed to deal with that? I just lost my job. Lord, I I don't know what I'm going to do. So, so the point that John is making is that it's good to have the sweet by and by. It's good to have your ticket punched, eternal life. God, I'm grateful for that. I don't want to be ungrateful. I don't want to be an ungrateful child. Thankful for that. But man, what about today? And that brings us to the other thing that we find in John's uh, epistle the fullness of eternal life is experienced in partnership with the father. Now at some level this sounds uh like um you know wow that sounds pretty controversial boy, <laughs> you know uh see there's two equal and opposite mistakes that we can make and one is that we can save ourselves we know that's not true we've all tried we can save ourselves And the other is that God doesn't want anything from us. He's just going to zap us and save us. You know, that's kind of the Arminian, Calvinistic kind of argument. And we're not going to get into that. But but here's the deal. When you read John and you read Paul, you find out that there is this partnership, this uh, relationship that goes on between us and God through his son, Jesus Christ. Verse 3 says of our text, We proclaim to you what we have seen, and heard so that you may also have fellowship with us and our fellowship is with the Father and His Son. That word fellowship means like a partnership or participation. You can know and experience what it means to have a partnership with your Heavenly Father. Did you know that? You can have a partnership, uh, a profound participation with your Heavenly Father. And you say, well, how do I access that that partnership, that, that power? I want that because lord i'm grateful for heaven i don't really understand it that much i'm grateful every time i go to a funeral i'm thankful for it i'm grateful for heaven i'm thankful that my ticket was punched one day i gave my heart to jesus i'm thankful that uh, in the sweet by and by i'll have peace and joy and love and everything will be great but i need to know how to live today how am i supposed to do that today and john says you can have partnership with the father to live abundantly today well how do you do that well John says one way you do it is by surrendering your life. You give your life over. It's it's kind of giving Jesus the key to our hearts. It's giving access to our inner life, to him. Uh, l- l- let me say it this way. Um, if I were speaking to God, and this may sound irreverent, but this comes from in my heart. <clears throat> uh, Brandy, could you bring me that bottle of water for me? Thanks. Um, thank you. God, I need more than a ticket to heaven. I don't want to seem ungrateful. Um, I appreciate what you've done for me, telling me about the golden streets and the pearls, pearly gates, and, and, and no war and no sadness. I, I appreciate all that. But God, please hear me on this. I, I really need your help now. I just can't wait. I'm just not looking for something in the future. I need your presence, your life. Today, my marriage is broken, and my kids are far away from God, and I don't have a job, and my money doesn't add up, and I just don't really know how to live my life today. So, Lord, again, I don't want to be ungrateful. Thank you for all that you're going to do for me in the future, and I, I bless your name for that. But my marriage is a mess. And Lord, I need today, right now, I need to know how I can love my wife. And and Father, again, I'm grateful for all that you're going to do in the future, but right now, at this moment, what I need to know is how to deal with my anger. Because, again, I know I'm going to heaven, you know, past, present, future sins, all taken care of. That's awesome, you know. But, God, I don't feel like much of a Christ follower when I just blow up at my wife or at work or at someone else. I... I need the kind of life, the kind of partnership with God that, that gives me life and abundance right now. God, again, I'm really thankful for all that you've done for me and that you're going to do for me in the future. But God, right now, I, I struggle with lust. Man, I, I need some help with this today. I just can't wait to push a button and pause and say, well, someday I'll be free from those kind of, those kind of lustful thoughts. But, but God, today, I need help right now, today, and joy. Joy, you tell me about joy in heaven, we sing about it. Man, I don't feel joy. I haven't felt joy in so long, I don't even know how to recognize it. Peace? God, have you looked around our world? It's, it's kind of an ugly world and there's no peace around. What am I going to do? And then you think, well, somehow, some way, I've been invited into this partnership with the Heavenly Father that will give me the power to live my life today. How can I be present with the Father? How can I have access to that joy and peace today? Uh, Keith Meyer, a pastor and an author, wrote this paragraph. The most significant thing that we can give to God is not our money. It's not our time. It's not our effort. It's not our talent. The most significant thing we can give to God is our attention. Brother Lawrence, hundreds of years ago, said it this way. Practice the presence of God every day. See, that's an inner life thing. That's a partnership thing with the Father. If we would stop worrying about how good our church attendance is and how much money we give and all of those things that are good disciplines and start paying attention to the Jesus that lives within us, our lives would be transformed. We don't need New Year's resolutions we need a transform, transformed heart. And now, how do we do that? Well, there's a simple way we can do that. We did it this morning. I, I was so pleased. Um, uh, Ryan and I and Brandon met before service uh, early this morning to pray over the service and go through everything. And, and when I saw the music set that Ryan had selected for today, you know, he looks at the sermon notes. He kind of tries to match up the songs with, and I was so blessed because what I felt and experienced today, now this is a, I, I don't like to get in the feel thing, because, you know, feelings can come and go. But what I felt today was kind of the overwhelming presence of God in our worship. And it was neat, it was really neat. It was genuine, it was real. Now some of you may not have felt that. Sorry, that doesn't mean you're bad, that probably means the rest of us are goofy. But the fact is, you know, it's not about a feeling, but there's the, we're in the real presence of God. Have you tasted that authentic worship? It doesn't have to do with with doing things or even singing. It has to do with paying attention to God. Paying attention to God. It it happens in prayer. Uh, Dallas Willard said that talking to God about what you're doing together. (laughs) I love that. Talking to God about what you're doing together. That's prayer. That's partnership with God. Struggles, praises, joys, difficult circumstances, fears, Invite him in to every part of your life through prayer. I can't do this myself. I need the transforming power of the Holy Spirit and the scriptures. Worship, prayer, scriptures. Those are the only ways I really know how to pay attention to God. There's other ways, I'm sure, but those are the ways that that work in my life. G.K. Chesterton said, think of God, think magnificently of God. That's the art of paying attention. Think magnificently of God. My wife's really good at that. Sherry will see a tree and say, oh, isn't that beautiful? I say, well, I didn't even see it. You know, I was looking at something else. And, and, but this idea of paying attention, of thinking of what God has. Now, in the Scriptures, there's this awesome thing in the New Testament. There's two words for the word. Okay, we know the word logos. You've heard that. Those of you who haven't been around church, the word logos means kind of a, a beginning idea or first thought, uh, first creative thought, and that's Jesus is described as that redemptive thought of God initially, Logos. Jesus is the presence. Okay, so there's that definition of word. But then there's another word in the Greek. It's Ramos. And Ramos means a personal word to you from God. Now I love that. Because when I read my Bible, I see the Logos, the big Jesus picture. I see that and I like that. That's good. But I need that personal word from God. I need to be paying attention to Him and having Him pay attention to me. And say, Dwayne, here's the Ramos I have for you. Here's what I want you to hear and know and feel and believe in this text. Here's the Ramos I have for you. Not just a future hope, but a present reality. See, God wants you to pay attention to him. And so let me summarize it by saying this. And this, again, may sound controversial, may even sound worse than controversial for some of you. But this is, again, coming from the depths of my heart. If the gospel that we preach, that I've preached for 30-some years, if the gospel we preach only provides a ticket to heaven and does not have the power to have an effect on real life, I'm not sure I want it. I don't want just something that's promised in the future. I want something that's real today. I want something that works today. I want something that gives me the ability to live my life today. And that, my friends, is the good news of Jesus Christ. That is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ in you, your life, transforming you, saving you, helping you live your life today and every other day. That is the good news of Jesus Christ. In a moment, we're going to celebrate communion. And as we do, I want you to experience the reality, the grasp hold of what this means, that you have experienced new life in Jesus Christ. And there may be some of you here today who have not given your hearts to Christ. Uh, you've heard that message before. or Maybe this is the first time you've heard it. But for those of you that this is new to you, uh, there's a simple prayer you can pray. I, I can give you the words I do often. But today I would just say this. Just open your heart to God. And say, God, I need you. I don't really know how to access you, but I don't want just my ticket punched for the future. I want to know how to live today. I don't want to, I want to know how to get through one day in my marriage. I want, to, I want to know how to live my life today. And God says, I promise you, I will come into you. And the Bible says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. He's knocking on the heart door right now saying, I want to come in, give you life, give you something worth living for today. So would you bow your heads with me? Father, if there are some here today that just have never given their hearts to Jesus, may they open their hearts to you right now. Say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Lord Jesus, I need you. I want you. Lord Jesus, please give me your son. Give me your heart. Give me your life. And that's a prayer that anyone can pray here today. And now, Father, as we break the bread, we pray that you would touch our hearts. Um, Not something about, oh, this is a sign that someday Jesus will return. It is. But it's a sign that Jesus is alive in you today. When you taste this bread, when you put the Uh, juice that you dip the bread in, in your mouth, and you taste that, taste and see that the Lord is good. He is real. He is accessible. He is knowable. He is um, touchable. He is present here among us today. We pray these things, Lord Jesus, in your precious name. Amen. Well, we're going to receive the Lord's Supper. The first thing we like to do is to um, uh, get some grapes. I think they're over here.